Welcome to PreachingChrist.org, the preaching ministry of Father Patrick Malone, Vicar of Holy Cross Anglican Church in Milwaukee. If you have any questions about the Bible or the Christian life, contact us at Patrick at PreachingChrist.org. In 1962, Don Richardson, who was a Canadian young man with his wife, Carol, and their seven-month-old baby, flew from Canada to what was then called Dutch New Guinea. Now it's called uh, Papua New Guinea. And they moved there to work with the Sawi tribe. And if you know what Papua New Guinea looks like, it looks, some people describe it as looking like a dinosaur. And the place they were going was located in the belly of the dinosaur. Uh, They lived in the main city for a while, and Don Richardson uh, went in first to build a house for his family. Because of the rain that they received there, they received over seven meters of rain every year. That is an incredible amount of rain. So everyone had their huts on stilts. So Don built his house, a little three-room hut, on stilts, and then he went back and he got his wife and seven month old child. And as they entered the village by boat, the tribe, with all their war face on, approached them and surrounded them. And Don was incredibly afraid. He thought, I brought my wife and my baby out here, and they're going to kill us our first day here. And they stared at them for a long time, and then suddenly erupted in joy. They had heard of these tall, slender, white people who looked rather anemic and weak. But occasionally, one would come out of nowhere and bring medicine and hygiene, and bring a message about a new God. And every tribe wanted their own tall, slender white man. And Don spent the first year there trying to learn the language. No one had ever reached this tribe, the Sawi, S-A-W-I, the Sawi tribe. They were headhunters. They were cannibals. And no one had ever reached this tribe. And his first attempt at speaking with these people, he would go around and he would point at different objects. He'd point at a stick and he would ask them, what is the name of that? And I forget the Sawi name for various things, but the Sawi would use the same name each time Don Richardson pointed. You know, what is that? Sumi. What is that? Sumi. What is that? Sumi. 
And he went home and he said, Lord, you have sent me to a people that only have one word in their entire language. But Don Richardson soon found out that when people would point to identify something, no one in this tribe used their finger. So the word sumi that they kept repeating was the word finger. So he would point out and they would say, finger, 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 finger. They would use their lips and they would purse their lips and point with their lips if they wanted to identify something. And as the end of their first year was coming to an end, there was a horrible uh, war between the Sawi tribe and two other tribes. And they were very fearful. And they decided to tell the chief of the Sawi tribe that they could no longer live there for fear of their life. And that they were going to have to leave because this these people were so hostile towards each other. And they didn't want to support this hostility and murder. And immediately, the chief started crying. The other tribes saw the health and hygiene of this Sawi tribe, and they also were remorseful. They wanted the Richardsons to stay. And so the three tribes got together and they did something remarkable. Each tribe took a child from their tribe and gave that child to their enemy. And they gave the other tribe a child to their enemy. And they all passed around young children to each other as a sign of peace. Don Richardson had been struggling to share the gospel because the Sawi tribe, as he told the gospel story, when they heard about Judas, they admired Judas more than Jesus. They thought Jesus was a sucker. They thought Jesus was duped. But Judas, he was very cunning and he was very treacherous and they admired that. How do you share a gospel with people that admire treachery? But when they began to pass around these young children as signs of peace, it struck him that this is exactly what God had done to us. We were hostile towards God. And what did God do? He sent us his son. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue in our study of the epistle to the Ephesians. And you'll notice... In Ephesians 2, starting at verse 14. For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh 
the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is our peace. Jesus accomplished peace for us. It was so miraculous that the Sawi tribes and the other two surrounding tribes never went to war again. They had been able to push aside generations and generations and generations of hostility because they had received the most precious possession from the other tribes, a young baby. And they knew that if we gave our child to them, we would never fight them. And if they gave their child to us, they would never fight us, fearing that they might kill their own offspring. And Jesus came, born of a virgin, born under the law, so that he too might be our peace. And in his flesh, he broke down the wall of hostility. Our sin, and sin is not a very uh, popular word anymore. Sin is violating God's law. Very simple. It's any violation or transgression of God's law. And when we violate God's law, we heard the law this morning. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. When we do not love God with all that we have, and when we do not love our neighbor as ourself, we are sinning. And that sin is a hostility towards God. And Jesus in his flesh, in his perfect obedience, in his death on the cross, in his bloody sacrifice, in his resurrection, broke down that wall of hostility. The older you get, the more you realize it is so easy to build a wall of resentment. To build a wall of hostility. To number your wounds. To number your scars. To nurture them. To nestle those scars and say, see how badly I have been wounded. But God pushed all of that aside and he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is our peace. Jesus not only broke down the wall of hostility, verse 16, but verse 17 tells us, and he came and he preached peace To you who were afar off. Not only did he accomplish peace, but he preached peace. That is what the gospel is. The gospel is that the warfare between us and God can end, that our sins can be forgiven, the debt has been paid, the transgressions have been erased, and Jesus preached peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And not only did he break down the wall of hostility, not only did he preach peace, but verse 18. Notice what Jesus accomplished. And he preached peace to you who were afar off 
and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Every religion in the world is trying to build a ladder to heaven. And the ladder is comprised of rungs that are your accomplishments. If you can reach this level, if you can go to the next level, if you can reach this level of perfection, you can get to heaven. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not your accomplishments. The gospel is Jesus' accomplishments for you. And through his obedience, through the cross, through his passion, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, he has gained access to the Father. He is the latter. His works, his obedience, his righteousness are the wrongs. And Jesus in John chapter 1, near the end, tells that the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream, the angels going up and down the ladder, that ladder, Jesus says, is me. And the angels are carrying the saints up the ladder on the accomplishments of Christ. He gave us access in one spirit. Why? So you can live in heaven forever? That is a wonderful byproduct, but that is not the goal of your redemption. God has been working. If you look at the grand narrative of Scripture, God has been attempting to gather a people to himself that he might dwell with them and in him and in them. And so the goal of your redemption is verses 19 through 22. So, or therefore, so he broke down the wall of hostility. He was our peace. He preached peace. He gave us access to the Father. So, therefore, then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, I was just uh, giving a brief history of this congregation and how we lost our building, and that was a tragic, horrible thing. But as each one of you left your homes, got into your car, came here, parked your car, gathered into this room, Jesus is creating a better, newer, more perfect temple. A better building. An eternal building. And each one of you are stones in this building where God dwells with us in a holy temple. And each one of us are part of this building that God is erecting and creating that he might dwell with us and in us. 
Paul uses a number of analogies to describe the church. A bride, a a body, but here he's using the description of a temple. A temple where people go to meet God. And the church, you, are that temple. No one can sue us and take away that building, that temple. It has been bought and earned by Christ. And finally, verse 22. In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Loneliness, despite all the screens and technology and connectivity and social media, loneliness is, going, is growing rampant in our culture. People sit by themselves in a crowd on a screen trying to connect with other people. And yet deep in their hearts, they're miserably lonely. Jesus Christ is building a people, a community, a building, alleviating that loneliness, that alienation. There's no longer strangers in the Christian church. We're all joined together with the apostles and prophets as our foundation and Jesus Christ the cornerstone. As God builds a structure, his church, so that he might dwell in our midst. That's the biblical narrative. Our culture goes right to forgiveness of sin and living in heaven. That's an interesting but important byproduct. The real goal is community living together with God in our midst. And Jesus Christ accomplished that for us. Let us pray.